Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. Good morning. We'll try again. It's so good to see all of you, or at least half see all of you in the midst of all the lights and the cookies that I see. Let's look around. Let me start by praying, and uh, we're going to dive into our message together. Lord, I thank you for each person here. God, I thank you for... God, I thank you for stretching us. God, I thank you that you haven't called us to settle for brokenness, but you're always bringing us to a place of restoration. You do that through your word, and I pray that we would hear it. God, I pray that we would hear your word with our heart, not just our mind or our ears. God, I pray that as we wrestle together, God, you change us. You change our name. God, you change who we are. God, you make us more like you. So God, I pray that you would give Carrie and I words this morning that are from your lips. And I just pray that we would be able to share our journey. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you were with us last week, we began a message on marriage, and we shared some of our story of how we met and some of the, the struggles that we wrestled through within our first nine, ten <laughs> years of marriage. And um, really, it's, it's been an amazing uh, journey, and we've grown a lot together, and we've learned a lot about how... It is essential to abide in God, abide in Jesus as a couple and as individuals. And last week we presented this concept, but we weren't really able to flesh it out because we ran out of time. And so we wanted to devote this message to really looking at what that means. And so we're going to spend time this morning camping out in John 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can go there. And we'll start out, Carrie's going to read it, and then we're going to kind of work our way through it and weave in some uh, stories and ideas and some practical uh, ways of abiding. Amen. All right, so John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father, Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Amen. So this passage is what um, is called a mashal. It's not a parable. It's kind of like a parable, but it's a big metaphor. And in this story, there's different characters. Okay, we have the vine, which is? Jesus. And we have the vine dresser. The father. And we have, which isn't in it, but it's implied. The Holy Spirit is the sap. Right, the Holy Spirit is the sap. When we're abiding. And And the branches. Are us. Or should be us. That's right. And uh, then there's fruit. And as we work through this sermon, we're really going to look to answer uh, three questions. Like, why should we abide? How do we abide? And then what does it look like when we're actually living this out? What changes should you expect to see? And And the why should we abide is often best told through stories and illustrations. And if in this mashal, there's this theme that's repeated twice about burning of branches, okay? And so I want to give you a little background of what that's about because it really unlocks the key to this parable. You see, when Jesus told this mashal, it was the night of Passover in the month of Nisan, and it was evening time because he had already had the Passover meal, and they were in a house that overlooked the Cedron Valley, Now, this time of year was the time of year that vine dressers, those who worked in vineyards, would um, prune and gather the trimmings from their vineyards, and they would burn them. So most likely, scholars believe that most likely that as Jesus and his disciples looked out their window of this house, they would have seen little fires dotting the hillside. And these little fires represented these um, branches being burnt. Kind of like uh, in the fall where you have New Hampshireites burning their leaves in their yard, but at nighttime. And Jesus starts out with this statement, which is so pivotal for the whole mashal. He says that, I am the true vine. Now, this statement of I am is this phrase, or the Greek term, ego eimi, I am. And in the Old Testament, God revealed his name as being I am. So Jesus starts out this statement saying, I am. Now, why is that essential? Why is this important? Because throughout the whole Bible, 
the whole story is about man getting back to God through God's effort. You catch that? It's about the restoration of the relationship between God and man. Because when God and man aren't together, man dies. Which is the whole Bible in two sentences. That without God, we die. So you have this Jesus who's sitting there. He says, I am. He's saying, I'm here. If your marriage is falling apart, the I am is the solution. The only way that your marriage will thrive is through the I am. And he says that I am the true vine. And this true vine is also important too, because in the Old Testament, Israel, the nation of Israel is represented as the vine. And the vine was intended, it was God's intent for the vine to bear fruit. In the temple, in the tabernacle, they had this big golden vine with golden grapes. And all the Israelites contributed their gold to make this vine. And it was symbolic of the fruitfulness that the Israelites would have if what? If they relied upon a relationship with God centered around his word. But they didn't. And they failed. And their lives withered away. And in Isaiah 51, it talks about how they bore wild grapes. How essentially they lacked true fruit. So this whole this picture of them sitting in this upper room and seeing the vine clippings, the branches, the trimmings being burnt. It was symbolic of the struggle of man and the failure of man because they rely on themselves rather than God. So now he begins to tell this story about, okay, you guys fail on your own, but I'm here. And now I'm going to give you the key to having a fruitful relationship and having a fruitful life. And so, abide. So here's the why in our lives of why. Okay, so um, if you were here last week, we had talked about how we had struggled with... Um, making decisions and, and our expectations for each other and a whole bunch of different things. And we just weren't connecting. We weren't, it just wasn't clicking. And we went to this abiding retreat, uh, marriage retreat, that sort of put the light bulb on. But um, another backstory to that is that I grew up um, in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school, Christian college, Christian camp. I was, um, you would think, submersed in Christianity, and but at the same time, I never got this abiding thing because someone was always telling me, go read your Bible for homework because you're going to have a test on it tomorrow, or you need to have this verse memorized for Friday because you're going to have a quiz on it, or going to chapel three times a week when I was in college, or having to um, lead these Bible studies at camp for these girls that were in my cabin. And I remember every summer at camp, watching these other you know, female counselors who I co-counseled with and thinking, there's something different about them. And now I've been a Christian my whole life. You'd think I would have gotten this by now. But I just remember thinking, you know, God is not just like a person in the Bible that you read about and you learn facts about and you study about like in a history class. Like to them, he's real and he's, he's 
alive and he's there all the time with them and by the end of the summer, you know, you get that on fire, top of the mountain experience, and I would go home, and I would think, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, you know, dig into my Bible, and, and then life would take over, and I would just slowly kind of fall back into relying on my knowledge of God instead of my relationship with Him. And I did that for a really long time. Um, not only did I rely on my knowledge of God, but I relied on other people to keep me going in my relationship with God. I relied on other people to tell me what to read in my Bible and when to pray and what to memorize and, and all of that. So when we got married, I transferred that on to Greg. And I said, okay, you're the spiritual head of the household, so you're going to be my, you know, my shepherd and you're going to bring me along and you're going to tell me what to read and when to pray and, and to do all of that. And it was a huge burden to put on him. But again, I was relying on my knowledge of God and not having a relationship yeah. with him. Can I give the, uh, can I give the illustration yes, now? Because I feel like this really shows it. So God gave me this, and uh, I need to confess this, okay? First and foremost, those who preach the gospel uh, should, should live the gospel. And um, I went and bought these fish without having really good permission from Carrie. So I just no need to confess permission. that. Because we talked about maybe, maybe getting them and giving them away, but I brought Maddie with me. And, and Luke, and, and she fell in love with the fish. And so we ended Notice up getting a nice little three tank. And, when we only needed one for the illustration. And, <laughs> yeah. So bring it back. <laughs> now that I've gotten that off my chest and I feel better now, um, I can... I love you. <laughs> she doesn't like fish. But I like fish. Anyway, so, okay, so, so in this mashal, um, Jesus says this. He says, abide with me. No, what does he say? Abide in me, which is different than with. And I think often in our Christian walk, we think that, oh, I'm going to abide with Jesus, which means, okay, he's here and he represents my once a day quiet time or once a week quiet time. And so I go with him and then I go do my thing. Okay, and I try to rely on my own strength, and, I, and, I, and then, oh, I'm struggling. And when that fails, we go back. And I fail, so I go back, and I abide with, and no, 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 no. You see, a relationship with Jesus is a lot like a fish in water, because a fish needs to be in water to survive. You see, apart from the water, the fish can do nothing, Okay. So if you take this fish out of the water, okay, the fish, he's going to die because he is made in such a way that his, I know, I'll, I'll kind of go like that, that, that this water, okay, is life to him. And often as Christians, we kind of function like this, that somebody else, okay, is filled with the water, okay, and, and then we're like, okay, give me some of your water. And we expect to do life. You see, but, but you can't survive that way. Amen. You can't because not only do you need the water, which is God's presence, you need the word, which is the oxygen in the water. You see, there's something that you can't see in this water is that um, he's not breathing the water. You know, I'll give you a little science here. Okay, so water is H2O. H2 
two, oh, so two hydrogens on an oxygen, and they're kind of like bent like this, okay? The fish doesn't breathe the water. It breathes the dissolved oxygen that's in between the water molecules. So there's two things in here that it needs. It needs the environment, which is the presence of God, the water, but it also needs the oxygen, which is like the word of God. So when Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, okay, when we're reading God's word, it gets in us. Okay, so that's us actively abiding in him, but it's not just reading it too. It's obeying it. Because the thing that separated man from God in the beginning was the rejection of his word and saying, hey, I can do this on my own. I want to know as God knows. So we go in life on our own wisdom, and we don't fill ourselves with that. So we end up withering and becoming like, like this, right? Because those are the dry branches that get chipped away, and they're without water. They're dead. They're fruitless and to be burned. And, and here's the other thing, too. Do you know why the vine dressers would burn these? Because if you trim off a branch from an, from an olive vine and it falls to the ground, it will root itself. But it will never bear fruit. Never. And so that when you see that, um, this starts to spread out. It's, it's mixed in with the other vines, but it's fruitless. Because it's trying to exist apart from the true vine. Okay? And so... Um, Here's the other part of this illustration. How do you get in the water? Faith. Faith. How do we get in Jesus? Faith. How do we stay in Jesus? Faith. Because this isn't works. Right? It's, it's faith. And that's why in, in what he says too, if you've heard my word, it's made you clean already. That's talking about, that's talking about um, how... Faith comes through hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so we, we receive faith, this gift of faith, and then, and then we respond to that. Okay, we actualize it, we make it our own, and then God cleans us, which means that he makes us part of the vine and we're supposed to be there, right? And then we receive the sap, okay? We receive the sap through engaging with the presence of God and the word of God, of having a relationship. So, yeah, you can finish your story. All right, so if you are in John 15 and you turn to verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and have abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And that was what we were missing. We were missing joy. You know, we had happy times. We had good times. Like, we had, you know, we laughed and, and all of that. But we were missing that, that sense of joy that is, you know, pervades circumstances. That even when things are tough and hard and, you know, you just want to cry, that sense of, you know, it's not happiness. It's knowing that you have God's truth inside of you and that it's going to carry you through whatever it is that, you know, you're going through. So... When we went to this marriage retreat and we learned that we needed to be t abiding together, it was like another light bulb went on in my head. And I was like, oh, that means I, you know, we need to be abiding this way, but I need to be abiding this way. 
and I need to actually do it, not just think about it and talk about it and make plans to do it. I need to actually figure this thing out and how this looks in real life and how I can go about actually abiding in Christ because this is what I want. I want to have my joy be full. Um, I want to abide in his love. I don't want to rely on what I know yeah. about God. I want to take what I know and bury it in my heart and wrestle with it and think about it and pray through it and make sure that I believe it for me. Because there's a difference between believing that what God says is true out there for other people and then knowing it to be true for you. Yeah. And we need, and here's the, here's the importance. So we abide because, one, we need the pruning. All right. We all need to be pruned. And Martha said this to me in between services. So I thought this was fascinating. I didn't know this. She said, you can prune up to 90% of a grapevine. What? Yeah, I, I've, I have a ton of pruning that needs to happen in me. Now, here's, we don't need to be pruning our spouse. Actually, I, and I said this first service, and I really believe this. You can tell you're not abiding when you're the one who's pruning. Because the father is the vine dresser, not you. Not me. And if I'm trying to prune Carrie, which I have done at times, okay, then that creates separation in our relationship. And I'm not talking about like good iron sharpens iron stuff where we're go team. I'm talking about me judging her walk with God and being critical and expecting her to be where I'm at and vice versa, okay? No, you're not a pruner. And if you're pruning, you need to stop because that's the Father's job. And Jesus said, take the log out of our own eye rather than pointing out the speck in our, our spouse's eye. And so we need to be pruned, which means we need to have the, 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 the garbage trimmed out of us, and we need the fruit. And the fruit is the most important thing in our relationship. In Galatians 5, it tells us what the fruit is. And this is, this is what we're looking for in our spouse. Or say it this way, like, how can I become the best husband for my wife? Then I need to have these characteristics formed in me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the opposite of pruning. That's the character of Christ. See, Carrie needs Jesus. And I need Jesus. And so abiding makes me like Jesus and it makes her like Jesus. And then when we have a relationship where both of us are functioning in that capacity, what does it say? It says that um, by this my Father will be glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Meaning this, a healthy marriage relationship is the best witness to God. It reflects him. It's being in the image, the imago Dei. Because this whole idea of glorification, doxa, it means to reflect back. You know this song we used to sing, Show Me Your Glory? God is saying to us, I heard this at a conference I went to, and I loved it. He said, God is saying to us, you show me my glory. Amen. Whoa, that means that he made us in such a way that we're a mirror to mirror back who God is to the world, to reflect his glory. So this hel a healthy relationship where we're both showing the fruit of Jesus, right? That, 
that's it, baby. Like, that's at the core of, of this. And if we're not abiding as individuals and then coming together in that same place, like both of us swimming in the tank together, okay, then, then we're not going to be doing that. And we're not going to have this joy. Yeah. For the reflection, I just got a picture of um, a reflection of a, uh, on a lake. <clears throat> And everything has to be still for that reflection to be perfect. And the more still the water is and the trees and everything else, the more perfect the reflection is. And so when we abide, you know, when we talk about that verse, be still and know that I am God, and it gets thrown around a lot, but it's so true. If you want to be reflecting clearly, you know, the Father's love and, and his word and, and what he's asking um, all of us to do, you need that stillness because yeah. you need to be able to see his reflection. And the, the more we move and try to do things on our own, the more distorted that reflection becomes. Yeah. Because at the core of what abiding is, really, it, and it's simple, it's real simple. It's okay. People were made to be in a relationship with God and live a life according to his word. Okay. That's how he's from the beginning. That you have Adam and Eve and God, the three of them. And they would go to him, they were to listen, and they were to live it out. And that relationship got severed when both Adam and Eve said, Huh, I think I could do this on my own if I know as God knows. Meaning that if I can just live on my own wisdom. And so when we look at relationships in, in a worldly way, we have two people who are struggling to figure out how to be married based upon their own wisdom, apart from God. And that results in lots of little forest fires, little piles of burnt branches throughout society and through life. And we see that smoke going up all the time. Look around. Look, look in our society. But Jesus came and said, I'm here. I'm the true vine. I want to restore the relationship that you need to have a life that is fruitful. So much so that I'm willing to die on a cross so that you can be in me through faith. So he has made a way where there was no way for us to be reconnected with God so that we as individuals and we as a couple can have a, a relationship with God that is blessed and life-giving and thriving, full of fruit. And that's the gospel. And that's what abiding is. is about being reconnected to God through the presence and the word and living it out, which is the key part. Right? Because otherwise, we repeat the same mistake that Adam and Eve did. Did he really say that? So for the how to abide... Um Everyone should have gotten a handout. If you didn't get one, um, the ushers, I'm sure, have more because we made lots of copies. <laughs> um, these are just some surface scratching tips and tools. Um, there's all sorts of helps out there, books, um, websites, just a million resources on how to read God's Word, how to dig deep into it. Um, the only caution I give, because I have fallen into this trap myself, is that be sure that all of those tools and things that you find helpful, that you're reading God's word 
more than you're reading those books that tell you how to read God's Word. Because that's one of the things I found myself doing was that I would spend so much time reading all these wonderful books that told me how to abide that I wasn't actually abiding. Um, so they're great helps, but just be sure they don't replace the truth. Why don't we just take two minutes and we can walk them through. So the first step is starting where you're at. Often we play Bible roulette and say, hey, what am I going to read today? Or, which this isn't a bad one, because I think it is good to have reading plans, but I think this also needs to happen, what I'm going to talk about in a second. Like, you um, look at what you, where you're at in life and what you need God to speak to. If you have a struggle going on and you have a crisis or you have something, a desire or an interest or anything in your heart that you really want God to speak to, go to God's word about that thing. And so here, like, here's a good example. I know for us in the past, we've struggled with finances and we had to really go to what God's, God says about finances and, and learn to trust him, what he's saying, and live according to what he's saying rather than what we are seeing. Because if we live according to what we're seeing, then we're relying upon our flesh and then that leads to death. But we have to, one, figure out what God is saying about that word. And then, second, um, write out the verses. Because there's something kinesthetic, there's something that activates your brain. When you, when you write it out, you use other parts of your brain. So you're using more of your brain to process that information. So you write it out, and you look up other uh, English translations of that verse, because sometimes that unlocks something that you might be missing. So, um, and then step three, you do something called cross-referencing. You see if God has, has, has said anything else about this topic. Because often there are many verses about the thing that you're interested in or you're struggling with or wrestling with. And so you, you study that. Um, and then you write out your thoughts about it. In a sense, journal it. Like, well, what, what does it say about God? What, what has God done and what is he promising to do? Are there any conditions? Are there any if-thens? Um, what are my responsibilities or responses? Um, so look at what the word is actually saying and really dig into it. Um, and this is, Carrie's been doing this a lot lately. Take the verse and put it on an index card. And, and, and put the card, write it on multiple ones and tape them on the, uh, around your house and, and put it in your car. Um, about your phone, she puts... She schedules in her phone um, little alarms. You can do this on an iPhone. Yeah, so I take a couple of times throughout the, every three hours or so, basically, um, during the day. And I, I just thought about what, in that time of day, what kind of encouragement do I need or what kind of reminder do I need about who I am in God or who God is, what his commands are. And I just picked a couple of verses and I put the reference in the alarm um, note on my phone. And so when my alarm goes off, I see the reference and I can look it up on the Bible app on my phone and I can actually pray that verse or even just read the verse and be reminded, um, you know, to have patience or be reminded that, you know, I'm a beloved child of God or whatever it is. Um, but it just gives me, you know, six or so times throughout the day where God's pulling me back in just through a simple alarm on my phone. Yeah. And so then what, and here's how you do this together. You get together once a week and this is something we're learning to be better at ourselves. And you sit down and then you share what God has been saying and what you're seeking to abide in. 
and then you go on that journey together. So the, the verses that your spouse is going through, you start to go through them together, and you see what God is saying, and you come to a place of unity on what God has said, and then you're moving together in the same direction. Uh, and part of that wrestling through is, if in, look in point seven, where it says, journeying your thoughts, do I believe this in my heart, and is it settled? Because I think our, often, uh, often we, um, we wrestle with unbelief, and we read it, and we say, oh yeah, this is in the Bible, but do we really believe it? Because if we believe it, we'd live it and we'd obey it. And so we have to ask God to form that in us. And um, this is a lot of stuff, and we're, we're basically out, again, out of time. This should have been a whole series. Um, and so what, it, you know, what is this all about? This is about learning to have a relationship with your spouse and God together through the word, through his presence, so that you can be in unity and so that you can have fruit and have joy in your relationship. And everyone wants to have an amazing marriage. And the key to having the amazing marriage is for both of you to jump in the pool together. Right? All the kids in the pool. <laughs> and uh, if you're not doing that, then you're a fish out of water and you're going to die. You're going to wither. Your relationship's going to wither. And it's got no life and no fruit. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. So let's stand and I want to pray a blessing over you guys and uh, dismiss you. Lord, there's a lot here. So God, I pray that each one of us would spend a week camping out in John 15. <laughs> I pray that each one of us would, would camp out there and we'd stay there or even longer than a week until we actually believe it, until it's settled in our heart, that, that apart from you, we can do nothing. And uh, we need this for our marriages and for ourselves. And so, God, I pray that you would reveal to us uh, the things that need to be pruned and you would go to work on them and uh, make us more like you that our lives might bear fruit and give glory to the Father. So I send us out, Lord God, as your, as your witnesses. God, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 